millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Welcome to Face to Face. This is a show about change and what's next. It's a show that asks questions and peels back the layers of our average everyday experience and goes beyond scratching the surface. We interview people doing incredible things who are making a difference around the globe. Join me as we listen in and get one step closer to understanding that big ideas shared create collaboration. Collaboration can inspire community, and communities create social change. I'm David Peck, and this is Face to Face. Well, welcome back to Face to Face. Thank you for uh, listening and for joining us here on the show. And if you're here for the first time, we trust that you will enjoy the interview and uh, go back and listen to others. There's so much to choose from, over 600 published interviews, uh, certainly under this umbrella, but many others that I've done over the past, oh, I don't know, we're talking 10 or 11 years now. Our next guest is uh, Tanya Hessen-Shea. She actually has been a guest on the show before. I couldn't believe she was first here with us on 2015, uh, episode 135. How crazy is that? Talking about uh, another important film that she made called Drone. You might want to check out not only the film, but the interview as well. That's episode 135. But today we're talking about her new film. Uh, and I'd say once again, another important and very compelling and, and often quite disturbing film called Praying for Armageddon. It is uh, a political thriller, really, that really um, is peeling back some layers on the power and the influence of primarily U.S. fundamentalist evangelicals. And and she ties it into their aim to fulfill uh, the Armageddon uh, prophecy, uh, as it's so-called. It's a, it's a journalistic piece, piece. This is a feature doc that's actually playing at Hot Docs, by the way, hotdocs.ca. Check it out for uh, showtimes. If you can't see it there, they'll be showing it online as well. I'm pretty sure about that. And I'm guessing there's going to be uh, a, a release of this down the road, theatrical and or video on demand. So stay tuned. But we talk about um, we talk about evangelicalism in the U.S. We talk about how faith is is being abused and about, about the power of of persuasive language. We talk about extremes, um, you know, on on any um, part of the political or the religious or the the, the academic spectrum. They can they can certainly. 
religion for sure, but many, many other things can turn to fundamentalism, uh, fundamentalism pretty quickly. And I think Tanya uh, is so right to point out this notion of our addiction, it seems, to certainty. We talk about empire and and power, and we we raise questions around critical thinking and how important it is to to be partaking in that, but also to be teaching it and to be be exercising it in our day-to-day lives and at our schools and in our classrooms and with our uh, colleagues and our our family as well. And so often it seems these systems can spiral towards violence. And for Tanya, her hope is found in the awareness. She she has a firm belief in the power of the people. So check it out. Hope you'll enjoy the interview. Uh, I had a fascinating and fun and engaging time with Tanya uh, talking about her new film, Praying for Armageddon. Again, it's at Hot Docs, Hot Docs, Dot ca And don't forget to uh, find out more about what I'm up to, davidpecklive.com. For more information about my writing and my speaking, reach out if, if, if you need to. But also face-to-facelive.ca for so many more interviews. Both of those addresses get you into the same place, and you'll be able to do a, hopefully a little bit of exploring there. We do have some changes coming up. I'll keep you posted about that as well. We're going to continue on, uh, but we're looking at a refresh and maybe even uh, a new approach for face-to-face. So stay tuned on that. If you are listening and you are enjoying, please leave us a review wherever you listen to uh, podcasts. Uh, certainly iTunes is a, is a critical one. Getting those reviews there do help uh, move us up uh, through the, 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 the digital uh, line, so to speak. There's a lot of podcasters out there these days. But if you're watching and or listening on YouTube, give us a thumbs up there, subscribe, and uh, we would appreciate that so much. Thanks again uh, for listening. And my name's David Peck, and you're listening to Face to Face. Well, welcome to Face to Face. We're joined by a very special guest here with us today on the show and a returning guest, which seems kind of crazy, uh, a guest returning from over eight years ago, a guest of uh, episode 135. How crazy is that? We're now in the 600s. Uh, we have Tanya Hessen Shea here with us today to talk about her new film, Praying for Armageddon. Tanya, thanks for joining us here uh, on Face to Face. Thank you so much for having me. It's uh, it's good to be back. It's good to be back. Yeah, it feels <laughs> feels like yesterday, doesn't it, Tanya? Yeah, well, you know, time time flies, and and to think that it was that long ago is uh, is kind of mind blowing. No, it 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 really is. It's just the. Uh, you know, I was, I said to my wife, we were Elizabeth, we were out walking our dog recently and I don't know why this hit me, but we were, we, we came across kind of a weird situation that involved a dog, another dog and an ambulance and so on. And I said, you know, it's amazing all the things that happened to us that we don't remember. <laughs> I don't know why I had that observation at the time, but isn't it interesting what has happened in your life, my life, uh, the world uh, since we last spoke that that has made us the people we are today to me that's a fascinating question and maybe uh, maybe the subject of a documentary in the near future but uh, we'll <laughs> we'll see we'll see but listen thank you for for taking the time in your film uh, praying for armageddon congratulations uh, it's going to be appearing at hot docs here in toronto and hopefully um everyone's going to get to see this film. I mean, Tanya, tell us a little bit about that, maybe eight, maybe that eight-year journey to get to this conversation today. Congrats on the film. I, I really love the film. It's, um, it, I hate saying films like this are entertaining, but it, it, it really was entertaining. It clipped along. It kept my interest, all of those things. But it's also really deeply disturbing. 
And as you start to peel back some of those layers, um, this, uh, the, the, the subtitle of the film is, let me, let me get this right, When Biblical Prophecy Fuels Political Power. Can you bring us up to today a little bit on the, on the, on the making of? Yes. Um, it has been a wild journey. Um, when we started uh, developing this film eight years ago, you know, it, it was before Trump and Pence and, and uh, COVID. And to to just see how everything rolled out, you know, and, and when you make a film of this scope, you know, I mean, we, we go deep on my team. So we were studying the Bible. We were really, you know, studying and investigating the political system and the architecture that the, the religious right sort of has built in the States. And, and to see it all sort of manifest um, during the, the, the Trump years uh, was pretty dark and, and revelatory in, in a lot of ways. Um, and, uh, and to be, to be honest, like there were, there were times where we're like, wow, you know, <laughs> cause, cause for, you know, the, the Armageddon prophecy, basically, uh, the essence of it is that during sort of the doomsday battle, which is the final battle, Jesus will come riding from the heavens on a white horse, um, and and for a while, you know, we're like, this is not going to happen for a while. We have a lot of time. Uh, and then Trump and Pence, uh, you know, when they came into power and moved the, the U.S. embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem, we're like, wow, you know, we, we got to get up to speed and pick up the cameras because things are really starting to roll out. And um, seeing sort of the, the power and the influence of the fundamentalist evangelicals in the US during this period was also kind of chilling. You know, so so in the film, uh, we follow people from the grassroots that are preparing for a holy war. Uh, and then we see how their their faith uh, is is being abused or and mm. used by the megachurch empires. And then to see sort of the, the evangelical voting bloc also lift up Trump who for many of the people that we feature in the film was seen as being lifted up as a president by God. And, and for them, Trump, not that they, they saw him as, as one of them, like a, a true believer, but he was the instrument of, of God and the prophecy. Uh, so when also they were able to then uh, put a lot of pressure on Trump and Pence to move the embassy to Jerusalem, uh, things really just started unfolding. It's amazing what you can uh, justify, I suppose, when the puzzle seems to start to take shape. And I get that sense from much of evangelicalism uh, in the West. I'm going to say in the West, maybe not just in the U.S., but certainly you focus on the U.S. But but what is what is that uh, Reverend John Hagee say? You know, we're going to advance and we're going to conquer. And he says it with glee. There, like he says it with a smile uh, to to a resounding cheer within within his church congregation, and 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 there's a part of well, there's certainly a part of me that just shudders 
when, when I see that and when I hear it because of the implications, I mean, were there, were there time, there must've been times when you were filming where, where you just kind of were shaking your head and, and, and you wanted to go deeper, but couldn't. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. From from the the research phase too, I just I remember like visiting a megachurch actually outside of San Francisco, like kind of into to the desert outside of San Francisco, and feeling pretty terrified just because of the language that was being used from the ministers. And uh, the megachurch that I was visiting, they had you know a support Israel night that night and um, a very high ranking uh, person from IDF was visiting the church and language like, you know, uh, it's enough of standing with Israel. It's time to march with Israel and seeing very young people in that church as well, volunteering to go and be part of IDF uh, was, was also just extremely surprising to me to see the power of language and the, the power of, uh, you know, the persuasion that was being used to sort of recruit new people uh, into this movement um, also became sort of a driving force to see, you know, what is the extent of this movement? How far reaching is it? And, and what kind of real political influence do they have? And, and what we uncovered during our investigations um, yeah, I, I really hope that we will be able to to reach a large uh, U.S. audience in particular with this film. Yeah, there's so, so many questions uh, I have for you. I just I wonder, I mean, did you meet people who were asking questions? Did you meet people? Did you meet church folk, congregants, whatever you want to call them, that were saying, OK, yeah, not sure about that message, John you know, uh, that's going a little too far or, or, or was it really just kind of very polarized, very one-sided? Well, I also think that, I mean, that is a very good question because in the beginning, when we we're doing uh, research on this film, John Hagee almost seemed too extreme. Right. He strikes me I, as quite an extremist. Yeah. And, and uh, a lot of, you know, and I, I just want to say it's, it's important here to distinguish the kind of people that we are featuring in the film and, and the movement that we're looking at. These are fundamentalist evangelicals, also called Christian Zionists. These are, are people that, that interpret the Bible literally, uh, people who see it as their responsibility to act out God's will. Uh, so they they see see it as their responsibility, basically, to speed up the biblical prophecy of Armageddon, because then Jesus will return, and hence they will, you know, be able to uh, go to heaven, escape death, uh, and and uh, live and basically be immortal. Right? It's uh, it's uh, yeah. This I I, re I remember. I remember singing a song at camp, Tanya, this world is not my home. I'm just a passing through, right? Like yeah. it's very, it's very Greek philosophy as well. It's, it's, it's Plato believed the same thing, right? The body, the body was just a husk for the soul. We got to get out of this as fast as we can and get to that other place where life's going to be so much better. And I mean, I, I there's a whole group of, of, of faith-based people and Christians who would say that that in itself is blasphemous. You know what I mean? They yeah, would just say, yeah. there's no way you guys are completely off base here. 
Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm just, I'm interested. I, I love how some of the, that, that, that side of the conversation comes through the journalist. Help me out here. Lee, Lee Fang. Lee uh, Fang. Lee yeah. Fang. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. He, he's just, I mean, some of it's comical and I really felt for him a couple of times when he was kicked out of a few places <laughs> trying to get some answers, but I felt like he had a very measured approach to this, this whole issue. Yes. Well, I, I just want to go back a little bit to, yeah, to please. John Hagee because when we started the film uh, or developing the film, you know, we thought John Hagee was too extreme for the issue. Um, but then we saw the kind of real influence that he actually had uh, during the Trump uh, and Pence uh, reign where he became, you know, uh, I mean, he was visiting uh, the Oval Office on a regular basis. They had monthly meetings. He did prayer circles in the Oval Office. And he was one of the advisors to the policy uh, that unfolded under Trump. And he, you know, uh, we we just realized also that the the real political influence also just watching Kufi, which is John Hagee's organizations, Christians United for Israel, how they grew to become the 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 biggest pro-Israel organization in the states, uh, but also how how John Hagee got sort of the status of being a kingmaker of the Republican presidential wannabe uh, candidates, you know. So, so seeing how all of a sudden, like he became a a, a very important uh, political play, player, uh, and then he ended up opening the the U.S. embassy uh, in Jerusalem. So then we were like, you know, this is this is really serious. It's something that we have to take seriously. Um, but but that also comes back to you know the the very deepening of polarization that we have seen in the U.S uh during this last you know you know five six years do you, you know you don't have to go far really to to start asking questions about interpretation and and i guess biblical exegesis jesus would be the the academic sort of hermeneutics would be the academic kind of world but are people is is it about the literal interpretation of these sacred texts that are getting people into trouble in a sense uh would you say that the the yeah hey it's all here it's it's black and white don't you know i mean uh, if you if you've got eyes to see you know you'll see this too like there's there's just to me it's just such a massive oversimplification when you leave out things like context and history and culture and perspective and the list goes on but i'd be interested to hear your thoughts on that yeah, I, mean, I think it's a, it's a great question, right? Um, to me, it kind of comes down to uh, the problem that happens when religion turns into fundamentalism or any kind of fundamentalism, any really. Uh, but but in, in with religious fundamentalism, where you feel like you are the chosen ones and, and you, you also have this sort of addiction to certainty that mm, that's good. the way this is the truth that you know and and everybody that does not believe in this uh you know are are going to hell uh and and if you want to get salvation you have to follow uh my way um and you have also to give me all your money 
I mean, the reason, I mean, if you start looking at the empire John Hagee has built, it becomes also uh, quite clear. <laughs> you know, I mean, there's, there's, it's religion has throughout history been connected to power um, and, and money. Um, and I think it's very important today to sort of follow the money and see who, who are the big players, what are the money going to, uh, and, and that will sort of, you know, uh, be pretty, um, um, revelatory in itself. Um, so, so that was sort of the, the, one of the investigative tools that we used, uh, going into this issue as well. It would, it would have been fascinating if Lee had been able to get a conversation with, with a Haggy. I mean, it's, it was great that you were able to get a few of those, those figures, those names, but he just, he just completely, just completely shut that possibility down. Oh yeah. Yeah. We were blacklisted by Kufi from pretty early on. In so, the they, so they knew, they, they knew about you guys. They knew about the film you were making. Absolutely. Wow. Absolutely. Yeah. So we, we, uh, Spies. We, you know, we tried to, to, uh, to get Hagee or, or anybody in the Kufi system to, to open up and, and talk with us, but they, they are not interested in questions. They're not interested in any sort of critical thinking. They, they run a very tight, you know, information, um, what should we say, uh, blackout <laughs> in, in their organization for, for very good reasons, uh, I think. Um, so, yeah, I yeah, mean, I think it's fascinating that uh, you know they're the the, um, the line they're not interested in critical thinking or or in questions, and I mean, isn't that the beginning of a cult? I mean, really, I mean, let's just call it what it is. I mean, and and I think your your comment about um, addiction to certainty, you know, I think the postmodernists have shown us that we are in the middle. And have been in the middle of kind of a deconstruction for a long, long time. And the, I, I think the question should be, what is, where does that now leave us? Well, what it seems to be doing for some of these folks is it actually seems to be injecting them with, with, with ego and with, I mean, they truly believe they are doing the will of God. Do they not? Yes. I mean, there, there are a lot of, of true believers in this movement as well that, um, not all of them agree with Hagee, but right. they agree with, with sort of the, the Hagee's push to fulfill the biblical prophecy. And, right, and, to get us closer to the, the return of Christ and the rapture and so on. Yes. So that's also, you know, when, when you believe that this is fulfilling the prophecy, then, you know, uh, that is the most important thing. And, and let that will be done at, at any cost, pretty much. Uh, and also with the storming of the Capitol, you saw, you know, the extent to what people were are willing to do uh, to, to protect this prophecy or the fulfillment of this prophecy, where you feel like, you know, uh, Trump was instated by God uh, and he couldn't possibly have lost the election so then you have to take matters into your, your own hands. And I think, you know, that was one thing. I mean, we don't have the exact numbers, but 
we know for a fact that there were busloads of evangelicals that came to D.C. On, on January 6th. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Yeah, it's 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 deeply troubling to me. I, I can't remember the name of the rabbi, but I think it might have been Asherman. Uh, who said, and I think uh, he was a rabbi, but he said something like, Jesus is probably not in favor of oppressing other people. And I just, I just thought that was so beautiful. I mean, isn't that, isn't that the message of Jesus in a nutshell? Like, whatever happened to love your neighbor as yourself? And I, I know you do bring in the, the Middle Eastern uh, uh, issue, and, and it's so complicated and, and so difficult. But you, you tell a very, um, I guess, brutal story in a, in a really um, uh, beautiful way. The cross-cutting of some of the uh, footage and the images. I mean, how, how can you step back? How can you not pause the film or come out of the theater going, okay, we need to, we need to reassess this? We need to we need to look at this again. Something's not quite right here. Yeah, I, it was it was very important for us to to show the clear connections between the fundamentalist evangelicals support of right wing projects and settle settlement organizations uh, in Israel, just to see how the 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 spirals of violence uh got fueled by by the evangelical support of of israel and uh and i think i think it's incredibly important i mean in 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 the u.s it's so difficult to bring up israel because you immediately get you know shut sh you know shut down or blacklisted and boycotted uh and it's it's very hard to have a real debate about what's really going on in israel Well, uh, do you th do you think some of that? So I'm going to quote. I think it's Gary. Is it Gary Bird? Uh, yes. Uh, early on in the film, who seems like a lovely man, but he uh, clearly has um, has stepped in in a big way and has completely bought into this uh, this uh, this ideological sort of understanding of 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 uh, what's the word eschatology? I guess that's what it is. The study of end times. But the, but the quote from him was, you know, if you read the book and truly believe the book of Revelation, right? That's the that's the quote, mm -hmm. then you'll get to this position. But 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 what what I find so deeply unsettling is that Gary feels like he's got access to the real book. D does does that make sense, Tanya? Yeah, well, absolutely. I mean, Gary is, you know, uh we we became very close to Gary. Uh, and he is a true believer with uh, a great heart and um, has has a lot of love for, you know, his his not followers, but his 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 congregation, sure. which mostly that comes uh, out in the film. Yes. Uh, and then it's just it's kind of shocking also then to see, you know, um, how they shipped, you know, all these motorcycles over to Israel 
to do this this ride to the wall, uh, which was in support of of IDF. They wanted to show that they they supported IDF and that they were proud of what they were doing. And then you also see that you know some of the biggest giants that Gary is fighting against is is abortion and the LGBT movement, and and all of a sudden you know you get this like sort of spiral where you understand that uh, the values and the mindset you know is is very different from um, what what at least like I would think uh, and I, I you know. I mean, Jesus to me was about love, <laughs> and and I think Gary also very much like you know that's that's sort of what he embodies, but but when you look at you know uh, the bigotry and uh, the the line of how they're finding scapegoats to to blame pretty much anything that happens in society. You know, be it nine eleven or you know Katrina or COVID, uh, they always sort of put the blames on you know homosexuals or you know trans people or you know I mean it's it it just goes on and on and it's it's quite that that was really surprising to me to yeah. really see. so so all of a sudden all that matters to God is whether or not you get it right or you get it wrong. Yeah, <laughs> like, honestly, yeah. if a creator exists. I'm pretty sure they're not too concerned about some of those things, right? I think to me, to me, it's about it's it's about community, it's about relationship, and it, and I think you're absolutely right. I mean, the second greatest commandment in the New Testament is to love your neighbor as yourself. I'm not sure to uh, give me help me out here to quote a former lieutenant general who says Jesus is going to come back carrying an AR-15. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And, and that's, and that's the faith you want to follow. And then, and then, uh, anyway, I'm just kidding. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of stunned by some of that. And I think I've heard some of this language before, uh, back in the, I don't know, back in the seventies, maybe there was quite a movement, sort of an end times movement as well. And, um, that, that it seems to kind of, kind of come back, but maybe, maybe what you're showing with the film is that it's actually a deep undertone. Yeah, you, I you know it's it's interesting uh, kind of how you opened uh, opened this uh, this talk by talking about you know how we met through through drone, and when I interviewed Colonel Wilkerson for for drone, he when when uh, when uh, I left, he said, Tonya, you know you you have to look into this whole movement of evangelicals within our uh, U.S. Air Force that's really pushing hard to sort of take over control of the U.S. military. So this was, I, you know, I met him in, in uh, was it 2014? And so this has just been kind of in the back of my mind. And, and when we started um, working on praying for Armageddon, I was like, okay, you know, I'm going to circle back with, with Wilkerson to, to see if he can kind of take us into this. And, and that is one of the most, surprising and terrifying things that I have come across during this production is to see how there is a system of recruitment mm. of young soldiers into into the Christian nationalist movement. I mean, that I think is, is a very little known fact. And I think that it's, it's extremely important that people are aware 
or what is going on <laughs> in the U.S. military. Because, I mean, just, you know, like we show in the film, like you have Bible citations that are carved in on the rifle scopes that U.S. soldiers are, are carrying around and, and that, you know, were used in Afghanistan, for example. Yeah, what did, what did they call it? The, G, the Jesus rifle? The Jesus rifle. And so then you you uh, you think about you know what kind of effect is this having? Uh, and uh, we always kind of you know it's it's very easy to to point the finger at other religious fundamentalists uh, in around in the world, um, but it is maybe even more important to look at the so, religious fundamentalism sort of within our own Western within system. our own Western uh, systems, our own communities, our own our own political parties, our own homes, really, I suppose. Yeah. I mean, yeah. isn't isn't this film really a call to action in a sense? To me, the CTA on this one is ask better questions, do your research dig a little deeper, do, do this alongside of others and do it in a community. I mean, I, I, I actually looked up uh, John eight twelve, which is one of the scriptures that apparently was inscribed on the side of a scope. And it's when Jesus spoke to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Mm -hmm. And that's on the scope of a rifle. I just don't know how anyone balances that out in in a in a in a faith that says to love your neighbor as yourself uh, as you blow their head off because you've yeah. got a better scope on your rifle than they do i do you, do you remember that great scene uh, that i mean there's been so many i'm sure in schindler's uh, sorry not schindler's list uh, saving private ryan and there's a young man in the top he's in a steeple and he's got a 303 and he's just, it's a single load rifle and as he's shooting um, the enemy one by one and reloading you can i mean the, the foley on it is brilliant he's reciting psalm 23 the lord is not the lord is my shepherd mm. and i and you just have to wonder what about the german soldier 100 yards away reciting a new testament scripture and doesn't that raise some pretty significant questions yes yes i mean the 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 history is extremely dark when you start to look at how religion has fueled wars and and to to see now today how you have such a powerful force of of US fundamentalist evangelicals with real political influence from the grassroots all the way up to, to the highest political system in Washington, D.C., whose main goal is really to destroy our civilization that has to put off some alarm bells, that has to, to wake people up to really be like, what is really going on here? What kind of values are we pushing through, throughout you know, our whole society? Uh, and and what is our you know U.S. foreign policy, but also politics in the states? I mean, this is really threatening our democracy, not just in the states. I mean, this is also a worldwide movement. But the 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 biggest biggest core of this is in the U.S. U.S. 
So believe it or not, we've got to wrap up in in a few more minutes. And I always feel when I see a film like this, uh, by the way, I did love the film. If I haven't said it, I'm saying it again. I hope everybody sees it. It's praying for Armageddon. It's, it's going to be playing at hot docs and, and stay tuned because I'm hopeful that for you, for some, some kind of an international deal on this one, Tanya, that it, it, it goes wide and it goes deep, but I'm wondering I mean, are you hopeful after, after making this and spending so much time? I mean, you know, can, could, did you meet some younger people who were saying, no, we're pushing back against this. This is not the way forward. We, we need to embrace, we need to include others. And, and by others, I mean, everyone. Um, can you talk about any of that sort of, I don't know, graceful side to this story? Well, you know, uh, first of all, as a as a documentary filmmaker, I I I've never felt like it's been my responsibility to come with a happy ending. <laughs> <laughs> right. But, yeah. but, You're saying that with a smile too. That's nice. Yeah, yeah. yeah I think uh, you know everybody, um, especially in the U.S., just crave you know happy endings or sure. there has to be some hope in the film for for it to be bearable. Uh, for me, there is a lot of hope in bringing awareness to an issue, uh, to raise awareness, to to spread information about what is going on. And then it's really up to all of us to figure out how can we create debates around this uh, and, and what can we do about it? Uh, but to me, that spark always comes with awareness. Um, so that you, one of the one of the hopeful things has has always been you know not always but for me like with this film uh we've had a lot of test screenings um with also religious leaders um ministers oh that's uh, great and it has been very hopeful uh to hear their take on it and to see how they want to bring it into their congregations uh, to to use the film actively as a tool to to create debate. Uh, so hopefully, I mean, for me, you know, the hope is always with the people. Um, I believe in the power of the people to my very, very core, which is also one of the reasons why I make films, because I do think if we know what is going what is going on, we are also capable of doing something about it. And human resilience, you know, I mean, it's uh, one of the most beautiful things that that we have. Um, so, so hopefully, this will spark some engagement. Um, and uh, yeah, you know, I, I, I don't think that this film will will stop religious fundamentalism, but at least I'm hoping that it will actually bring people together rather than deepening the divide. Uh, because I do think that when we realize the level of fundamentalism sort of within our own ranks, uh, you know, maybe we'll stop pointing fingers and start cleaning up in our own ab- home. Ab- absolutely, Tanya. And if it, if it can stop the oppression of other people in one way or another, uh, and, and, and boy, are we in a, in a place, it seems like in some respects we we're living in a much more polarized world that we were, than we were even five years ago. And maybe that's just because of the news we're getting and, you know, the constant barrage of social media and so on. And because we're just so much more aware, but there, there's a lot of healing that, that needs to go on. 
And, and this kind of uh, rhetoric, it seems to me, is, is, is really not helping. So, yeah, my, my, my prayer uh, for your film uh, really is that it's going to raise some really difficult questions for people. And they're going to peel back those layers and say, hang on a minute here. I need to learn a little bit more about this. I had no idea I was funding this kind of nationalism in Israel. I had no idea I was ejecting people from their homes, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, it's, you know, what is that great quote about if you pull a thread here, uh, you'll find that it's connect connected to somewhere else, right? It's, it's, it's kind of all connected. And I think that's one of the beautiful for me, one of the beautiful takeaways um, 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 from from your film, and so I love that. You, I love the notion of hope is in other people. I think that's a really beautiful uh, um, uh, place to, to 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 kind of wrap up. I do have another question for you. I want to quote Variety magazine: "Quote: Praying for Armageddon is a compelling, sobering revelation all its own, revealing the hitherto unimagined scale of a type of political insanity that would entrust the future to people who don't want there to be a future at all." Close quote. And I would just say. Uh, amen to that. And, and anyone who's, who's able to hear and see that quote to say, maybe it's time to, to look at this in a, in a new light. And um, can you share a story, uh, maybe from one of the screenings, maybe from a, an earlier film from Drone, as we wrap up here on Face to Face, could you share a story uh, of where, I don't know, where an audience member, where a group said to you, you know what, our lives are are, are different because of the stories you you've told or, or you drop the pebble in the pond and, and look at this ripple growing. Do, do you have something you can share with us? Well, actually, uh, with drone, we had, uh, just such a beautiful run in the school system, actually four years in a row. That's amazing. Uh, where, uh, the main character in drone, Brandon Bryan travel around with me all across Norway, uh, and met high schoolers. And um, such such powerful interactions. Uh, and then I was a mentor uh, at a documentary workshop uh, a couple of months ago, and I met this this young, beautiful, beautiful woman who came up to me and she said, "After seeing drone and and meeting you in high school, I decided that I wanted to go into film." Nice. And that to me just like, you know, um, that was like the biggest compliment that I could get. Sure. I also also want to say that one of my favorite audiences in the whole world is the Toronto audience. Uh, nice. I just, just have this amazing memories of the audience actually being so engaged in the Q&A that people were like standing up and sort of almost yelling at each other, debating. And I was just like, this is amazing. So I can't wait to to come back to Toronto and and show the film and hopefully we'll be able to create some kind Amazing. of way. Well, I'll I look forward to to meeting you face to face and 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 thank you for your time today. We've been talking with uh, Tanya Hesse Hessen Shea about her um, beautiful, compelling, and disturbing new film, Praying for Armageddon. It's at Hot Docs. Uh, check it out online and hopefully you can still get tickets. Tanya, thank you so much uh, for hanging out here on Face to Face with us today. Thank you. Well, there you have it. Praying for Armageddon, my interview with Tanya Hessen Shea. 
uh, I guess it's close to 500 interviews uh, ago. She was on the show back in 2015, uh, and I'm uh, so glad she was able to join me for this uh, film and for Hot Docs as well, hotdocs.ca. Uh, check it out anytime throughout the year, but it's currently happening. Uh, this this interview was recorded in uh, April of 2023, but if you can't find it on the site, uh, just search for it, and I'm almost... Uh, certain it'll be at another festival or will be on a video on demand uh, platform or maybe even in a theatrical uh, release in the in the very near future this is the north american premiere and we're so glad to i'm so glad to have been able to speak with tanya here on the show today and it really is a um, a fascinating study on on not only on evangelicalism in in the west and in the u.s in particular but also on just this uh, you know the idea of extreme and as tanya has pointed out this addiction to certainty and i think that uh, you know what what does it mean to have a proper confidence in what we we believe in or what we call knowledge and i think these are big big questions and uh um, hope you enjoy the film as well uh, don't forget davidpecklive.com uh, face-to-facelive.ca for more information about what i do and uh, more information on my podcasting and uh, all of uh, those wonderful things if you are listening please subscribe to the podcast wherever you're listening whether it's on a platform itunes or spotify or you know one of the others out there or on youtube and um, we'd really appreciate it if you leave us a review as well help, helping us to mediate digitally mediate the heck out of face to face would really help here on this end of the digital spectrum so thank you once again for joining us here on the show my name's david peck and you're been listening to face to face spring is that you warmer temps mean new albert styles meet the Superlight collection the lightest ever shoes from albert's now in fresh colors these must-have travel shoes have a lighter than air feel and barely their fit that made them the most packable shoes ever that means more comfort and less baggage Try the Superlight Tree Runner with a cushy foam midsole and breathable eucalyptus fiber upper. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. So, what can you do in a Superlight shoe? What can't you do is the better question. And because they're super packable, the real question is, where are you taking them? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com code SUPER24.